Ronananian. Do you trust the sign from the mechanic that says, hey, I'll work cheaper than anybody just to lure you in the door because I know you're stupid and I can upsell you and sell you all the stuff you don't really need to make up for the loss on the oil change? It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. The car doctor. The uh, tire pressure indicator light is lit. It stays lit. And we check the air pressure in the tires. They're fine. Okay. As long as you're setting tire pressure to within 15% of placard, that light should go out. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's really busy and crazy today, so let's kick the garage doors open right off the bat and go to Marianne in Virginia Beach, 11 Ford Fusion. Marianne, welcome to the car doctor. How can I help? Well, I have a Ford Fusion, and um, it has been rattling for about three months. And every time I warmed up the car, it would stop. But then as, as it was going along, it would come back again. So when I took it three times to their dealership, they couldn't find anything wrong with it. And then the fourth time, he said, well, it sounds like the motor mounts. And I said, well, how would you know that if you didn't put it up on the lift? He said, well, we'd have to put it up on the lift and take it all apart, and, and it will cost you $1,000. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, uh, let me think about this. And he said, well, you know, if it rattles really bad and it starts shaking, then bring it back and we'll replace it. And he said, now that they're rubber, um, they're compressed rubber. They're not metal the way they used to be. That's what he told me. Mm-hmm. But um, So I'm riding around with this rattling noise, and I don't know whether the motor's going to fall out or it's something else, because I thought it was something with the heating and cooling. Because once it warmed up, it started to stop. And he said to me, well, if you're driving with it, you're not going to hear it. Let's, let's so I, hold it. Time. Let's take, a, let's take a pause here. First of all, this noise, does it happen only while you're driving? Or if you're sitting at a traffic light in gear waiting for the light to change, do you still hear it? Yes, when I'm in drive, and then to to stop it from doing, not stop, yeah, stop it from doing it, I put it in neutral. Okay, so it goes away in neutral. Yes. Did did the dealer hit? But then, see, now it will come back, but if I step heavily on the brake, it stops. So it's almost like when I'm in motion. Right, well, wait a minute now. Mary, did the dealer hear the noise? Yes. He did. Finally, he did. When I pulled it back and pulled it forward, okay. he heard the noise. He was. If you put it in reverse, sitting at the traffic light, you hear it in drive, you put it in neutral, it goes away. If you put it in reverse, do you still hear the noise? Yes. You do? Yes. Okay. Um, as long as I'm on the gas. No, sitting there at idle. No, that, that, listen to what I said. Listen to what I asked. Yeah. Sitting there at a traffic light, waiting for the light to change, or a stop right. sign, all right? right, or, or in your driveway, all right? right. If if the noise is there and you're sitting in drive, you put it in neutral, the noise goes away. If you put it in reverse, does the noise change pitch, tone, or disappear? That's the question. No, it's still there. It's, it's still, still there, happens. just yes, as if the car was in drive. Yes, sir. Okay, now. Is the dealer saying for sure it's motor mounts, or they're guessing? Well, to me, it sounds like they're guessing, but he claims that's what it is, and that's all I can say because that's what he's telling me now. Right. It's possible, and from your description, it, it sounds logical to me, 
but I would have to say there's got to be a little more diagnosis made. And there's a couple of ways they can do that. You know, duplicate the noise, hood up, the vehicle chock so it doesn't roll away, parking brake on and so on, somebody's foot on the brake pedal, sitting there while the noise is happening. If we were to take a pry bar and push, pull, poke, prod on that motor mount, do we change the tone or the sound of that noise? And if we do, yes, the motor mounts are rubber. Yes, the motor mounts have gotten hard from age, and they don't have the ability to suppress vibration anymore, and it's being transmuted to the frame. And it's, it's, you're feeling it throughout the car. There's a resonance. My concern is, is there another, is, is this related to, to um, could body mounts be hard? Everything's made of rubber. Everything insulates on rubber. Could we have a body mount issue? Could this be a body panel that has vibrated loose over time? So the, the real question is, how certain are they? I'm not arguing the point. I, I think they're on to something. But some simple tests, changing the load, changing you know what gear is in that it happens, reverse or drive, changes the, the, the position or load on the mount, all right, and you know pushing on the mount, prying on it a little bit, taking some of the load off, changing it, that will do the same thing. The fact that it's not there in neutral, but it's there in drive and reverse, tell me it's engine load. The fact that it can be duplicated sitting at a stop sign means it can be duplicated sitting in an engine bay. And last thought. I bet the noise isn't there when it's um, when the vehicle is warmer or warm out, or is the, is the noise there year round? Well, I've only I've had it for about three months, but uh, no, I've only had it since the winter. I mean, since the, really the fall started, say okay. October, November. Well, well, was it you know if it's sixty seventy degree weather, do you notice the sound? I don't remember. I'm sorry. I that's really okay. don't. I, but, but, I don't remember. But see, at that's point. see, and that's a and that's another point because how cold is it in Virginia Beach today? Um, today it's forty two, forty three. Right. It's cold. I remember that when I was down yeah. there doing the car show a couple of weeks ago. It's cold in Virginia Beach. Um, boy, that wind comes off the ocean, and it's you know, it's I'm sure it's cold yeah. today. And the noise is there in the forties. I wonder if it was sixty five, sixty eight degrees. Does the noise go away? Here's the ultimate. Yeah, see, that's what I was wondering too. Because right. That's why I said to him, I don't want to wait till the summer. Right. Right. So here's the question for you, and then I gotta go. You gotta go. You gotta. Okay. You gotta talk to the dealer and ask them. A. Is the car in any danger? Is it okay if you wait till summer? All right, because you want to see what's going to happen when the weather does get warm out. All right. B. How sure are they that it's mounts? All right. And then C. Um, can you give me a firm price? Because if it is motor mounts, they should be able to estimate that job and come up with more than just it's a thousand dollar guess. Um, but do those things, and if you need me, I'm here. Call me back, and I appreciate the call. And uh, um, nice place, Virginia Beach. I enjoyed my time. Let's get over and talk to Matt in Ohio. Matt, eighty nine Bronco. What's going on, Matthew? Yeah, Ron. You yes, me? sir. Yeah, I can hear you. Sure. What's going on? Okay, good. Um, problem is. Uh, the fuel gauge doesn't work. It hasn't never worked since I've had it, so I imagine it's probably in the fuel tank with my luck. So okay. my idea was I was going to drop the fuel tank while I'm there, clean the fuel tank out, replace the pump anyway since I'm there, right. and hopefully that will fix the problem. This is the fuel delivery system where there's a low-pressure pump in the tank, and then there's a reservoir, and then it goes into a high-pressure pump. Um my question was, 
would it be a good or a bad idea to replace that system with just one high pressure pump in the fuel tank? Does somebody Would make it, does somebody make a replacement module that's just one pump? The next year they went to one single pump and okay. it's the same body style. Okay. If we know that it will work and provide proper fuel delivery, same fuel pressure, same parameters, everything else was the same? I as far as I know, I'm thinking it's like 44 psi, probably. Um, yeah, spec spec engine running on those cars was 30, 35 to 40, and then with the Keon engine off, it was 35 to 45. Was a good range yeah. of motion. You know, fuel delivery, fuel delivery. Without knowing, right. you know, and I'll be honest, I don't remember that they had two pumps in the system and then they went to one. My issue is, you know, fuel's fuel. Uh, we had yeah. a we had a big block suburban, uh, uh, 86 suburban. Oh, four or five months ago in the middle of the summer, we couldn't get the vehicle to stop going into what I'll call fuel vapor lock. And big block, very hot car underneath, very hot chassis temperature all the time. And we finally caught it in the act. And regardless of fuel pump, regardless of what we did, fuel was always vaporized. And I think underhood temperatures are so high on that vehicle, I think there was a different boil-off pressure of fuel from 86 versus 2019. We put an electric in-tank uh, I'm sorry, an electric rail pump on that to help feed fuel to the mechanical pump and haven't had a problem since. And we tried everything. Right. We tried replacement pumps. We, you know, we, we went the gamut, experimentation. Yeah. So sometimes, yes, an older vehicle you do have to modify. Now, my question is, can you still get a low, f high fuel pressure pump assembly? Can you get a high pressure pump assembly? And whose brand would it be? I can still buy the the high one that and that one's actually Motocraft still makes that one at least I can find it online. But right. the, for the low one, I can't. It's all aftermarkets for the low. It's right. Kind of like a lift pump. I right. Guess, I would. I would. If it's if it's a Motocraft piece, by all means, I would. I would definitely do it. And I would also be curious. You know, your your level. Let's go back to your original complaint. Your original complaint or concern was the fuel gauge. You know, that should be a yeah. 0 to 90 or a 0 to 75 ohm gauge, um, a resistance value on the sender. So it should be a fairly simple test to do a sweep test and see does it sweep high, sweep low. And, you know, while you're there, change the parts. Everything's 30 years old. Yeah, exactly. You know? So I figured clean everything out. Right. Um, but, yeah, by all means. But as far as swapping it over, I would take a look at the wiring diagram, what runs the pumps, what's the difference. And uh, if the wiring looks the same or something, you can just modify. Yeah, I would say it's worth a try, especially if you can't yeah. get, especially if you can't get a Ford or a Motocraft part uh, for the vehicle anymore. I would stay away from the aftermarket stuff on something like that. Yeah, I didn't think about the current that might be needed down by the, the low pressure pump. Might need a much less current and might have a smaller well, and, wire. And, so and again, look at the wiring diagram. What what size fuse is feeding the pump circuit on the eighty nine versus the ninety? And if they're both, you know, twenty five amp fuses, and I don't know what they are off the top of my head, but if they're both twenty five amp fuses, then you're fine. If it's something higher, then we'd have to talk about that a little bit about putting in an additional. Maybe we wire in a relay and put a switching relay back by the pump that can take higher current draw and uh, make yeah. it work like that. So, But let's find out what parts are really available first, and then we'll go from there. Okay, cool. All right. That helps. Thanks, Ron. You're Appreciate welcome, it. Matthew. I'm here if you need me, brother. You're very welcome. 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's coming back right after this. Don't call us. We'll call. 
That's right. If you call and we're not live, you can leave a message and we'll call you back to get you on the air with Ron. 855-560-9900. Speaking of Ron, here he is. Hey, real quick for Matthew in Ohio. Matt, if you're still listening, babe, before you change the fuel pump on that Bronco, think about, too, is the tank the same? Will it accommodate the different fuel pump? And what was the fuel injection system, or what's the end fuel delivery to the engine, the other end? Is it the same injection, etc. style system, different or same injectors, so on and so forth. So some more research has to be done before you just make that change. I just wanted to, that popped into my head while I sat here thinking about it during the break. Debbie in Maryland with the 11 Escape, you're up next. What's going on here, Deb? Well, I don't know. Every now and then when we drive and we slow down, our 2011 Escape makes a clunk sound. Okay. How many miles are on it? Um, 82, maybe. All right. Um. Uh, you know, is it low-speed braking, high-speed braking? It doesn't matter, just slowing down in general. Ah, uh, well, we don't ever do high-speed, so it's low-speed. Well, yes. I mean, you know, if you're, if, you're, if you're doing 55, 60 on the highway and you slow down to get off an off-ramp, or you're never really out on the highway mm-hmm. when this happens. No, I think, it, I think it waits until we're lower speed. Okay, so it's, it's typically as you're, as you're approaching the stop, so to speak, maybe 10, 8 miles an hour, you're slowing down, and then all of a sudden it's a... It's like a thump or a clunk. Yes. Uh, very visible, very very audible in the sense that yes. you, you heal it, you hear it, and you feel it both at the same time. Correct. Okay. Has anybody looked at this, gone through the front end, the suspension? Any? Well, we asked our mechanic about it, but it, and he drove it, but it didn't happen any time he's had it. Okay. So we've not. He's not really put it on a lift and looked at it. All right. So a, it's got to go on a lift. It's got to go on a lift regardless of whether anybody experiences it because how many times I've seen a suspension component, a ball joint, a tie rod, a strut piece rusted or frozen and it gets stuck in one direction. And then, okay. you know, you go around the block, you change the weight of the load of the vehicle on that suspension component, and it pops. You know, it's like your arm popping out of your shoulder socket, right? Oh, it, it's, okay. it, you know, so, so for safety's sake, the fact that you're driving it, he's got to look at it. You know, is there a torn dust boot? Is there, is there something physical, visual damage that, they're, that, they're, that they might just see? Maybe they'll get lucky. It's a lift ride. Yeah. Um, a lift ride for a regular customer. The lift's always open, I say. All right, number one. Number two, tell them to look carefully at the lower control arms. In particular, I believe the 11s, they, the rear bushing on the 11 escapes have a habit of collapsing or shifting position. If he can take a pry bar and pry that bushing to the point where it deforms or it's out of shape, that bushing is tired and starting to flex, and it's bad. All right. Okay. I, I've okay. seen I've seen lower control arms cause clunks on these more than once, and it's a little difficult to find. So pay attention to that rear lower control arm bushing if it's so equipped, if it's that style suspension, depending upon all wheel drive, rear wheel drive, etc. If he is okay. using, if he is replacing the lower control arms, absolutely mm-hmm. positively has to use a Ford part. The aftermarket stuff doesn't work in this application. Um, he can he can find it on Motocraft. He can go out to Motocraft.com and dig it up. Um, but a Ford piece is going to be to your advantage and your benefit for the life of the vehicle. Um, it's just okay. going to it's just going to it's a it's a nicer sandwich, as I like to say. All right. Exactly. So, okay. Um, well, that's thank you. You're very welcome. You let me All know. Right. If you Have need more, I'm here for you, kiddo. You're very welcome. Ron in Rochester, New York, twenty Honda Odyssey. What's going on, Ron? Uh, yeah. Hi, Ron. How you Hi. doing? Good, sir. 
Uh, yes, I have a 2020. Well, actually, it's my father's vehicle. Okay. We just bought it brand new. Right. Congratulations. October. Right. Oh, thank you. Uh, I was just wondering about going through a car wash and having the underneath washed at the same time. Absolutely. I just did. We it. wouldn't be able to do this. I just took. I just took the suburban this morning. Uh, my 04 Suburban with 70,000 miles. It's getting old now. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's got all of 70,000 miles on it. It looked like it just rolled out of a salt bath this morning when one of my kids came home for the holidays. They saw the truck. They said, that can't be Dad's truck. It's dirty. I said, that's it. I've, I've never failed that test, so I had to take it to the car wash. I had them do the whole thing, top, bottom, up and down, inside out. Now, yeah, okay. the, 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 you know, I have no concern over... Um, what's, what's your concern that, you know, we're going to shoot water into the wrong place on electronics? Uh, yeah. No, it's it's you've got to think, you know, th when they manufacture a vehicle, if you saw the water tunnel that they put a vehicle through, you would think they should mount a snorkel and a, and a, and a, and a torpedo tube on the front of it because they almost make the thing a submarine. All right. It's it's okay. incredible the amount of water they drive these cars through. My only concern with car washes is is that the car wash uses or reclaims or recycles or filters their water to get the impurities out. Some car washes right. don't do a great job, and you're basically spraying the salty, crummy water from the car in front of you onto your car. So right. you know you've got to you've got to talk to them. How do you guys handle you know filtering your water, and 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 see yeah, what they good. say to that? All right. Uh -huh. But, you know, other than that, yeah, I'm a fan of car washes. I've been using car washes for 30 years. I, I go to the better ones. I don't go to the self-serve car washes where you do it yourself, um, you know, or I'll use a hand car wash depending on the vehicle. But by all means, absolutely by all means, yeah, that's a big yes, sir. Um, I have no qualms with that, and I think you'll get, uh, you'll get longer life out of the vehicle. All right, sir? And if you have any other questions, you give us a call back. Hey, we're going to pull over, take a pause. Coming up next, Mark in Florida. Stay on the line. 99 Ford Taurus. Problems with uh, turning the key and getting it to start. We'll answer that for you and everybody else. So you guys stay put. The car doctor's coming right back right after this. Don't go away. Running into the car doctor. Let's go over and talk to. Let's go talk to Mark in Florida, ninety nine Ford Taurus. Mark, you're there, sir. Yes, I'm here. So, what's this? What's this car do or not do? I don't know how to ask that question. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. It's like I said. It's a nineteen ninety nine Ford Taurus LX, and when I crank over on the key, when I turn over on the key, it spins and it acts like it kind of starts. I mean, it really does. It sputters and stuff, and it kind of like starts a little, you know, flutters a little bit, but it won't keep running. Okay. It won't keep running. So, uh, how long has it been doing this? Well, it started to, whenever the weather cools down, okay. you, know, you know, I'm going to tell you all this much because I know all these listeners might, you know, might be interested in this. Um, when the weather started cooling down last year, it wouldn't. It took these spells. It wouldn't start, but then it always kept coming back. Okay. Let me ask you. Let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this question, Mark. Has a mechanic tried to diagnose this when it's in this no start scenario? Okay. Yeah, I've called different. Uh, I've called different uh, auto repair shops, 
and I talked to them and stuff. And I told them, and they said, it sounds like maybe it's just a fuse. They said, they so said, nobody's, but nobody's, know, nobody's, nobody's, nobody's put their hands on this car to diagnose it. Not at this point. No. Okay. Let me ask you. A hey, Mark. Let me ask you a question. You ready? Yeah. What color shirt am I wearing today? Probably blue. Nope. Green. So you Green. see, if if you can't see me, you can't diagnose the color of my shirt. And if I don't see the car hands on, I can't diagnose the problem. That's my point. And I'm not. I'm, yeah. I'm not. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just trying to you know stress the point that this to me. See, listen, if you give me a broken car. It's a whole lot easier to diagnose and repair than the one that's doing it intermittently. So if, if, if this is acting up it's, and you really want to get it fixed, it's got to get towed, all right? It's got to have the problem when it gets to the shop, all right? It's, and, and the basic things they want to check, what's it missing? Is it missing spark? Is it missing fuel pressure? Is it missing injector pulse? Those are the three things I would look at. Does the check engine light light up when the when you turn the key to the on position and then go out after a five second or two second delay? When you turn the key to crank, I'm sorry, turn the key off, turn the key back on after counting to ten. If you if you hear the fuel pump run, do you hear the fuel pump run? The fuel pump should prime for two to five seconds. If it doesn't, why not? If it does, crank the car. You may not be able to hear it buzzing. Somebody would have to listen with a stethoscope at the base of the fuel tank. Does the fuel pump continue to run? Does it have fuel pressure? Here's my point. Here's, here's how this diagnosis could go. If this, has, if this is missing spark, injector pulse, and fuel pump while cranking, this could be a crank sensor. If this is missing, if this is missing just fuel pressure, maybe it's a bad pump or a relay. If this is missing spark, and and so on, we're into a different area. We've got to know what we're missing. If this was a lawnmower with one cylinder, one spark plug, and one fuel and uh, delivery device, what's missing? Make it simple. But the shop's got to the shop's got to have their hands on it because the shop can't answer the phone. And I'm amazed the shop would take the time to tell you maybe it's a fuse. I would tell you the same story I'm telling you now. What color shirt am I wearing? Because if I can't see it, I can't fix it. But those are the basic things they can look at. And I, I, I get it. I, I know it's scary sometimes to take it into a repair shop. But, brother, you got to bite the bullet and go because it's only going to get worse and leave you high and dry. Hopefully you've got a regular mechanic. Get it into him and let them take a look at it. And um, do that. And if they still can't fix it, call me back. But I'll be wearing a different color shirt that day. Frank in Delaware. What's going on, Frank? How can I help? Hey, Ron. Yes, Thanks sir. for taking my call. You're welcome. Uh, what do you? What's your opinion of a about a, tw a 2015 Toyota Highlander, uh, the SUV all-wheel drive? Overall, just what your opinion is? I'm thinking about purchasing that. How many miles on it? It's got thirty thousand seventy-three. Okay, nice car. My one of my daughters is driving a Toyota um, 4Runner. Uh, I think it's the 4Runner SR5. Yeah, I think that sounds right. Um, yeah, I, she yeah, likes it. So. Good, solid vehicle. I like Toyotas. I like Fords. Uh, you know, I'm um, I'm not going to mince words. I think I think Ford or Toyota are neck and neck in my mind right now. Um, you know, listen, I see I see issues with all the alleged supercars. Everybody thinks are impervious to fault and failure. I see as many broken Hondas and Toyotas as I do Fords in the shop as anything else. They all break. Uh, you know, it's it's. If if I was out car shopping, it would probably be Ford or Toyota, 
and the edge would probably go to Ford. And I still like certain GM models. I think GM still builds a great pickup truck. I think they build a great SUV. Some of their cars um, a little shaky on because I, I see what they're um, I see how they hold up or not hold up after five or six years. So um, what's your Ron? What's yeah. your opinion on the all wheel drive versus uh, either two wheel drive or even four by four? Where do you live? Delaware, uh, Millsboro. Yeah, Delaware. you know, Delaware. Do you, do you get snow? Do you get bad weather? Do you? You know, no, oh, 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 not not that often. I right. mean, it's it's not like where you live in Jersey, right? I mean, know. if there's if there's a four wheel drive version of that, that you can take it in and out of four wheel drive, I think four wheel drive as a rule across the manufacturers that are out there today, four wheel drive as a rule, so it's four wheel or two wheel, and you're flipping it in and out. I think it's yeah. easier. I think it's easier to maintain and cheaper on the pocketbook. All right. I, I don't know that all-wheel drive becomes the predominant issue that I need it. One of the things I see um, on a lot of vehicles that are four-wheel versus all-wheel, all-wheel vehicles, as a rule, get a little persnickety and snotty. Um, and I'm going to patent that phrase, persnickety and snotty, when it comes to tire diameter, okay? Because, okay. you know, if, if, if the front tires are worn a little bit more than the rears or a whole lot more than the rears or one tire is worn more than the other three, it can affect all-wheel drive um, operation and you know cause a binding and cause certain issues with the vehicle and the way that it works. So you know maybe I've got uh, a tire that's got a little less diameter on it starting in July. I can drive that thing in two wheel drive all summer and then come winter put four new tires on it. You, you know what I'm saying? It gives me more options. Yes. Um, yes. You know, how yes. much? I'll say it like this, and I'm going to talk it from me, all right? One of the things I've learned about myself in life, I tend to panic, and I'll, it'll always be a jackrabbit move to, like, i got to have the biggest, the best, the most, the shiniest. You know, i gotta right. have I got to have all-wheel drive for when the volcano erupts so I can ride the top of the lava to get the heck out of Dodge. You know what? In all my years, I've never used half the stuff I prepped for. I'm still prepped. I'm a good Boy Scout. I just don't know that I need to be that well prepared. If I've got a choice between two-wheel drive, four-wheel drive, or all-wheel drive, I'll take the four-wheel drive. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Yes, okay. it does. All right, sir. Thank you much. You're very welcome. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas you too, sir. Thank you. Um, let's. Uh, should we take one more, Mikey? Let's take. Let's take. We got a minute. I bet I can do it in a minute. Let's do this in a minute. Let's go to uh, Ed in Nebraska. Ed, you got a minute, sir? What's going on? Yes, sir. I uh, like your show. Um, the question I have is uh, on these uh, new uh, cars where you they stop stop the engine at a stop sign or or red light. Uh, how do they restart it? Is, is the engine starter used, or is it some other magic of uh, electronics? Okay, you got both feet on the ground. Yes. Okay, your your right foot's pushing on the ground, right? Yep. Pick your right foot up. Yep. The time that you did that you released your right foot from the ground is the time that it saw you take your foot off the brake pedal. Yep. And it started the car in a blink of an eye. And that's what electronics do today. It's that simple. Now, the downside is somewhere down the line, a lot of us in the industry believe that there's going to be some wear and tear and other factors that are going to cost these cost more to maintain these stop-start vehicles, namely quality of oil, viscosity of oil, type brand correct oil. Oil's a big factor in a stop-start car. Obviously, a battery is a big factor in a stop-start car. 
the starters from the ones we've seen go bad and have to get replaced are running somewhere between eleven and fifteen hundred dollars, whereas a starter motor on a traditional car of that same body style is in the two fifty three hundred dollar range. So there's a higher cost factor. But they work simply by the computers reading brake switch and other factors, and it's 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 flipping the switch and starting the car back up in the blink of an eye. I appreciate the call, Ed, and I appreciate the comments. Merry Christmas to you and yours. I'm Ron Anning, the car doctor. We're back right after this. Welcome back. Let's get over to Dodge in Delaware. Dodge, go. Dodge. Hey, how are you? Good, You've got a green shirt on. I can see it. Well, you can see it. I didn't, know I didn't change it during the break. What's going on, brother? Well, I have a 2014 Jeep Grand Cherokee, and it says it's 4 by 4 Right. But my question is, is it really? It depends which transfer case is in it. There's a choice of two. There's a 3023 or a 2010. One of them is a single-speed uh, transfer case that, that has what Chrysler brands as QuadraTrack, and then the 3023 has Select Track, which is a two-speed on-demand active four-wheel drive. So which one is it? Now, theoretically, they're both all-wheel drive, but it depends on interpretation. When you look at the shift control, what, what do you have, a little shift knob that you spin? Yeah, the little knobby turn. Right. Does it ever give you the option of two-wheel drivers? I got the picture of the cactus, the sand, the snow, and all the other nonsense. It's got the sand, the snow, and all that. Yeah, right. So you've got, you've got full-time four-wheel drive. You've really got full-time all-wheel drive that is splitting the torque and the load depending upon wheel speed slippage. And it has an internal, either it's likely the, it's probably the one-speed setup, and it's got the open differential that's allowing the transfer case to split the load so it doesn't bind on turns. So there's another example, right? They tell you it's four-wheel drive, but it's not. Now exactly that's my point. Right. So it's so now you're into you know now you're into and I should have pointed this out and I'm glad you brought this up before we start thinking about playing with tire diameter and sizes based on whether it says four wheel or all wheel you've got to know what you've really got because the marketing guys are involved here the same marketing guys that help create oil change intervals and they've given us the ability now to get totally confused sometimes the easiest way is put the vehicle up in the air on a lift drive it at 20 miles an hour how many wheels are turning dodge i appreciate the question we could chat about this for hours let me go take micah as my last call this hour micah maine yes sir what's your what do we got here micah always good to talk to you Always oh, good to talk to you, and Merry Christmas to you guys. You too. Um, I saw an article in Popular Mechanics magazine, and I always knew this, that it's not really good to warm up a car anymore like we used to and let them run for a long time. But, you know, my car is stored outside. I don't have a garage, and it's cold up here in Maine. Right. And I have a remote start on it. Where's, now, I where, live at the bottom of a hill. Where do you think so Popular I'm, Mechanics is published? Where do you think those guys live? I wonder if they live in Florida. You know, and that's what that's I always think about. You know, I saw the article. I saw the article, the same one you're talking about, Mike. And, you know, I thought about it the other day. I do the gym in the morning. I get up at 4. I go to the gym for 5 a.m., okay? If you think I'm going outside at quarter to 5 in the morning in December into a cold car, and never mind that the seats are cold, the car's cold, and the car's moaning and groaning because it's 10 degrees, but there's frost on the windshield, there's ice on the windshield, I disagree with them. I think it's not unreasonable to warm a car up four to six minutes, at least to get it up to temperature or close to temperature to the point that you can clear the windshield because it's a safety issue. You're, you're, you're driving down the road at five in the morning or even three in the afternoon whenever. You can barely see out the windshield. It's, it's, a, it's a problem. 
I, you know, I don't understand. I read the article and it talked about how they're worried about oils today and the oils aren't able to protect the engine under certain circumstances or we're providing contamination to the oil. The oils today are so darn good, you know, we're all probably changing oil too much. Just my mechanical opinion. I don't have scientific proof of that, but I can tell you that I have seen a steady decline of engine repairs, engine failures, and I know these people are warming up cars. I know nobody's changing their habits. You know, it's sort of like, do you think people want to do away with Starbucks because they're tired of having that big cup of latte coffee? All right? Uh, I don't think that's going away anytime soon, and I don't think warming up the car is going away anytime soon. I personally think the real issue with warming up the car that has everybody's, you know, cackles in an uproar is they're worried about the emissions into the environment. And the fact is they made the car run so clean, I don't know that that's a concern so much anymore either. Uh, but, you know, like I said, I wonder where the publisher, I wonder where the writer of that article lives, probably Florida or Southern California. Yeah, maybe there you don't need to. But North Jersey or Maine at 5 in the morning, brother, you need to warm up the car. And you need to warm up an older car simply because of the fact that it allows you to find out that something break in the middle of the night when the weather is cold, right? And where do you want to be when the coolant leak starts because of the hose that snapped off of the plastic water neck or the plastic radiator? Do you want to be three blocks from the house in the cold in your, in your gym shorts? Or do you want to be in a warm car finding out in the driveway? I want to find out in the driveway. Micah, I love you. Merry Christmas to you and yours, brother. Have a good, safe, healthy, happy new year. Hey, you know, coming up next, something that's become a very big tradition here on The Car Doctor. We're glad to present it to you each and every year. I'm Ron Anani, and don't go away. Stay tuned. was the night before Christmas and all through the dark. Not a car was still broken. All the plugs had their spark. The wrenches were stashed all snug in their boxes while me by myself was having Christmas party leftovers, some bagels and loxes. When out from the lot there rose such a clatter, I sprang to my feet and yelled, hey, what's the matter? Now what to my bloodshot, tired eyes should appear but some crazy old guy once sleigh with reindeer. I winced and I cried, oh great, just one more. I'd rather sit back and have a cup of tea and some s'mores. He approached the front door with a smile so bright, I quickly unlocked it and turned back on the office light. Excuse me, kind sir, but I'm having some trouble. The left runner on my sleigh has started to wobble. The balance is wrong and it pulls to the right. The reindeer are working too hard this cold night. I have so much to do and no time left to do it. Do you think that you could, well, please get right to it? Without saying a word, I went to work right away. Too bad the alignment machine had no specs for a sled. Meanwhile, the reindeer were prancing around. That Rudolph and Comet, what a couple of clowns. In a matter of moments, time 1.2. The runner was straight and the alignment done too. I helped him load up all the presents but one. He left it to pay me for cash he had none. I hope it's from Snap-on, a half-inch drive air gun. He started the sleigh by merely calling their names on Dasher and Dancer, Donner and Blitzen. Get up off your butts, Rudolph Comet and Vixen. It started to idle and float in the air. Then Rudolph lit up the sky with his nose extraordinaire. And I heard him exclaim, this could have been quite a mess. The car doctor rings true. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're really priceless. May your days be merry and bright. And may 